I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Telegraph. Telegraph. Podcasts. It's been 12 hours since I stepped off the Eurostar and the saucisson is still digesting in my stomach. Sorry for the overshare. It's the Paris Fashion Week special, guys. Paris is the last stop after a bumper month of shows and, boy, were there some talking points. I'm your host, Charlie Gowans-Eglinton, Senior Fashion Editor at The Telegraph. Joining me in the studio today are my fellow slightly weary fashion editors, Beth and Holt, our Fashion News and Features Director. Hello. And Caroline. Ooh. <laughs> She's so French. She's still in the habit. And Caroline Leeper, our senior fashion editor. Bonjour from Romford. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Thanks for joining me, guys. First things first. What's on everybody's fantasy shopping list? Bethan? Okay, Charlie, I've written mine down in front of me. Okay. I'm because very um, I was creating it throughout the week. My number one thing that I want to buy. From a practical perspective, it's Stella McCartney's mum denim skirt. It was very nice. It was very high-waisted. I feel like she's done this skirt about 17 million times before. Doesn't make me love it any the less, though. It's very Linda McCartney doing the school run in 1970. Dreaming up some sausages. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Vegetarian sausages. But it was worn on the catwalk with a great blazer, cool sandal. Perfect summer look, I think. Um, So that's my kind of practical buy. Another practical buy would be one of Chloe's blouses. These gorgeous scarf-necked silky blouses which were just perfect and reminded me a little bit of all those amazing pictures of... Karl Lagerfeld's Chloe from back in the day. Bit of a 70s theme going on here. Okay, now on to fantasy buys. Okay, yeah, because um, those would only cost you, you know, what? Two and a half K for the, for yeah, the pair? Yeah. Pennies. Zilch. So fantasy buy, if I'm kind of doing a kind of little women reenactment. Which obviously you are. Absolutely. I'm going to be wearing Lueve's sort of white cotton voile long white gown. It had a little puff sleeve. It was sort of trimmed in lace. Um, yeah, it was slightly kind of mad woman in the attic, slight virgin bride. Quite a good wedding dress, I was going to say. Quite a good wedding dress, should, yeah. Should we have a word with Johnny or...? Well, you know, you can you're try. A modern, you're can a modern try. woman, so you, I mean, you could pop the question yourself. <laughs> I could, if I really wanted to. <laughs> Caroline? What are you dream buying? Um, well, Charlie, I know it's a spring-summer season. However, one of the things on my shopping list is a Stella McCartney rain jacket. Amber Valletta wore it on the catwalk. It's a teal colour. It's kind of a parachute silk-looking. 
Mm. I bit, recall. Bit drapey, very, very nice raincoat. Um, yeah, Amber Valletta wore it on the catwalk. I think I'd look similar in it myself. I agree. You do have something I of the Amber Valletta about you. We're very similar. It's around the eyes. Very similar builds. Um, anyway, and so that is definitely on the list for me. I also loved um, at Dior, if we're going, you know, all out with this fantasy shopping list, limitless budget, clearly. Dior did some really beautiful embroidered jackets, this kind of floral, very, very neat little um, black outlines of flowers on linen jackets that were really, really pretty. And also just, you know, anything from Valentino. I love colour. There was a lot of neon, which I probably couldn't wear, but there were some other lovely colour clashy things. Fabulous. I've got a similarly low-key list. Do tell. Actually, I have gone quite, you know, every day. I could wear these to work. Sure. Um, You work on a fashion desk, so fine. Sadly, journalism doesn't pay enough for these pieces. Um, if please keep if our editor our is if our editor is listening, <laughs> I can't afford, but would like some Miu Miu high waist black satin trousers. Nice, which yeah. I was like, I could just do it with a roll neck for day. I could. They're quite a good party trouser. You know, we're coming into party season. A lot of cosplay wear going on there, actually. Exactly. Yeah, great. Also, I don't own a trouser suit. Mm. Where better to start than Alexander McQueen? Yes. I mean, Sarah Burton did these. They were like half grey, half black. Ugh, heaven. Aim high, Charlie. Aim high. I mean, why not? And also, Lueve Mm. did a beautiful, very useful beige mac with like a black, sort of slightly pointy collar and black buttons. It was quite trapezy, which is good if you're bottom heavy, which I am. Just heaven on a plate, really. Nice. Lovely. Right, now that we're done shopping. Never done shopping. Never done shopping. To the hard, hard work that goes into um, producing our fashion pages. Bethan, you went behind the scenes at Dior last week. I did. Yes, I went on an intrepid visit um, to the Dior Atelier uh, almost exactly 24 hours before the show, actually. Um, And I sort of thought it would be one of two things. I either thought it would be complete pandemonium or I thought it would be completely deserted because everyone had moved on to the show venue. And it was sort of midway between the two. So there were lots of wonderful petit mains. I still haven't quite worked out if we call them petit mains if it's ready to wear. But they're certainly extremely skilled and some of the pieces they were creating were exquisite. Really, this is demi-couture, isn't it? A lot Absolutely. of this stuff. Yeah. Our brands like Dior and McQueen. Yeah. You know, it, there's a lot of handmaking going on. Yeah. So, I mean, the the levels of embroidery are just so, so immaculate and so beautiful. And they were showing me this fabric that had, and I was like, oh, that's a beautiful floral print. They said, no, 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 those are real flowers. You know, these flowers had been almost sort of boiled into the fabric. Um, so, yeah, extremely special. But I also kind of loved, you know, the the spectacle of a show is it's very high octane. There's big production values, lots of celebrities on the front row. You know, Julianne Moore was there. And then actually the place where these clothes are being made, I mean, obviously it's beautiful and it's incredible, but these people are very... 
you know, this is just their everyday job. They're quite nonchalant about the whole thing. And I was like, you're going to be here working late tonight? And they're like, well, maybe, I hope not. Um, <laughs> was that your French accent? <laughs> What's my French accent? It's, um, it's very calm. I visited the Dior Atelier and I was very shocked at how calm they all are. Yeah. I suppose for them it's just, you know, their nine to five happens to be making twenty, thirty thousand pound dresses. Yeah. yeah. And I think when it's a big business like that, it's not like when you go sometimes if you go behind the scenes that, you know, some up and coming designer in East London who works under a railway bridge or whatever you know that 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 person often is working to the 11th hour really late at night because it's their first collection you know deals a slick production it, it's not it, exactly it's a big business it's not going to be kind of as frantic so you kind of get to enjoy yeah that and in they a were different way. they were making tweaks to things but it, they were taking it in their stride completely um but I did love you know, because quite a few looks in the show were styled with these kind of very crisp blue cotton shirts, and I went went to the because they have the um, they have the flute atelier, which is where all the kind of dresses and the the flowing items, I suppose, right. are made. And then they have the tailleur, which is the um, you know where the tailoring is done, and they're two completely different specialisms. And in the tailleur. Um, they were making all the shirts and they, all those shirts were still in pieces being being made together. So I don't know if they were a last minute addition or or what, but yeah, a few of those were still Do the being two made. ateliers, are they like rival gangs? <laughs> so like at lunch, I didn't notice any fisticuffs, <laughs> but, you know, maybe they put aside their differences. They were on separate floors actually, mm, so mm-hmm. yeah, telling distance. Yeah, but no, it was, it was fascinating. Bethan, we were talking at our desks earlier about sometimes you watch a show and you absolutely love it and then you see the pictures and it doesn't really translate all the other way around. Yeah. Well, I had this experience with with definitely with two shows, I would say, in Paris. So one of the most amazing fashion moments that I witnessed while I was there was the Dries van Noten show, which was a collaboration with Christiane Lacroix. Lacroix, darling. Oh, yeah. absolutely fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it was it was a beautiful, amazing show. Uh, there, there was, you know, all these beautiful shots of colour, these dramatic opera capes, you know, intensely detailed jacquards, um, you know, beautiful, huge feathers coming out of the models' heads. It, you know, it felt incredibly opulent and amazing to watch but now that I've looked back at the pictures I mean it it looks gorgeous but it just doesn't really translate in the pictures and I would say that I had a similar feel in a way with the Loewe show I think when I was watching it it every look you know was stunning and very striking when you see it in pictures it looks a little bit more awkward some some pieces do you know like the the coat that you mentioned earlier um you know are you know, look perfect in any in any context. Um, but yeah, it just, just strikes me that obviously there's a few hundred people who watch a show live. You know, there's thousands who will see the pictures. So 
which is which is the priority. Yeah, I totally get that because I I was obviously watching Paris from home this season. I did Milan, so I was um, off the hook for Paris this time. And yeah, some of those kind of key shows that I know you guys were talking about at the time on WhatsApp or, you know, sharing bits on your Instagrams of videos from when you were there, the pictures that we get served as kind of a catwalk set sometimes just don't do it justice because it's you're looking at a model straight from straight on. You don't get any of the atmosphere of the show. You can't hear the music. You can't see the, you know, some of those Balenciaga dresses and things, you know, some of the beauty of that was watching it on Instagram and watching all those videos of kind of it in slow motion that f- those massive crinolines kind of moving really slowly and things so so yes yeah, so there is definitely a different dimension I guess for for some things that you only appreciate in real life funny you should mention Balenciaga though because that was definitely an immersive experience I would describe this as sort of if David Lynch did fashion shows so we walk into this room that is entirely cobalt blue, curtained all around the side, velvet curtains all around the side and carpets on the ground. And the floor dips down in the middle. So it's basically like two spirals that interconnect that the models walked down into the middle and then they walked back up again up the other spiral, if that makes sense. Quite complicated to explain. Like one um, of those coin things that you used to throw down. Just like... Like that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for the intellectual references. Oh, <laughs> uh, I kind of felt like I was inside a big snail shell. Right. Which was lovely. Um, then they started pumping in really cold air. Ooh. So it's freezing. Why? It's freezing cold. I don't know why. <laughs> and it was also sort of chemically scented. Ooh. So some people were sort of covering their mouths because it was really catching at the back of your throat, actually, the, the smell. Um, I mean, Demna Gosalia is a known fashion disruptor. And this was his first collection um, after the news that he was going to be stepping away from Vetmon, the label that made his name. So it, I think it was kind of maybe the pressure to do something, as he always does, that is a bit shocking and a bit unusual. But yeah, it was very dramatic, but also quite stressful. Do you feel like it's one of those moments that that you'll remember? I mean, did you enjoy it? It, was inc- it sounds yeah. like... It was incredibly memorable. Yeah. And these dresses, one of them, you know when um, Violet Beauregard turns into a blueberry is she yeah. a blueberry she, she is blueberry. um one of them was just like that so it's kind of this inflated blue dress and it had this really really full skirt but there weren't any crin- crinolines or anything the weight was obviously hanging from the collar and it was kind of bouncing as she walked so adding to that inflated effect and it was kind of the there was a jaws staccato happening so like mm. duna, duna. and there'd been some really aggressive kind of thrash metal music happening before that. So it is a proper affront on all your senses. Um, it's it's an assault on all your senses and it's a real, it's a really memorable show because you do come out of it a little bit shell-shocked. Um, and it was a Sunday morning and I don't have my coffee yet. All the senses mm. there. I mean, they don't normally ram it down your throat as in air down your throat. Yeah. That is next level. Air down your throat. Yeah, but I did oddly much. leave wanting a panel raison, I think because of the um, 
The swell. Pyro. Um, <laughs> I it was in Paris, you know? Well, I really hope you got one. Um, I had a pan of chocolate. Oh, Close well. enough. That'll Close do. Enough. That'll do. The other interesting thing about Balenciaga was the prosthetics. So plastic surgery is so normal at Fashion Week because when you're looking at the front row, you're looking at obviously a lot of fashion editors, some of whom have had some work done, and a lot of celebrities, some of whom have had some work done, and also the proper VVIP big spender clients of each brand who've had so much work done that they are barely recognisable as people in some cases. (laughs) So... (laughs) When we first kind of saw at Balenciaga, they'd put on these prosthetic cheekbones and lips. And you kind of, you didn't realise at first that they were fake because you're so used to seeing slightly inflated faces. It was very bizarre. Thoughts? Is that a commentary on that whole phenomenon? It sort of felt like he might be poking fun. Yeah. But then we had a model like Bella Hadid, who's arguably had some work done, in my opinion. Google before and after Bella Hadid, if you would like to weigh in. No prosthetics for her. She was wearing a fuchsia pink little velvet mini dress, but from the back was like shorts. So her bottom just, I mean, I've never seen a bottom like it. That Is that real? Confusing out. I'm assuming it's real. Mm. I'm assuming that's just a lot of squats. Yeah. Just like basically never standing upright, just constantly squatting. Maybe we should all start squatting instead of sitting down in the podcast studio. I can't be oh. asked. Our sound levels will be all off. <laughs> <laughs> I think Demnet is laughing at us all. Yeah. Yeah. And he's an arch provocateur. And I mean, let's just go with it. But I mean, away stripping back all the chemicals and the blue and the cheek prosthetics. I mean, there were those t- huge tinselly dresses at the end, you know, but there were those, you know, big anoraks and the crazy floral tea dress on acid type things. Like, you know, stripping it all back away from, from all that frou-frou. Was he really offering us anything massively different to what we've seen from him before? No, he, I, loves, he loves a shoulder, doesn't he? Yeah. I guess as well that the whole point for him is to create this big theatre and this big song and dance, obviously, around the brand and then you'll sell a load of logo bags and T-shirts. There we go. The other big spectacle show of the week had to be Chanel. Yeah. Always a huge spectacle. So they take over the Grand Palais and this time Parisian rooftops were the theme. So it's this huge constructed set under the glass roof and it was grey Parisian rooftops but you know even with some extractor fan bits and steps up here and a pathway there and the models sort of walked some of them were walking on the higher roofs and some of them were walking on the lower so it was a lot going on Um, I'd have liked to have seen some parkour yes that would have been quite fun wouldn't it next time yeah Lisa Armstrong's review said that there were some authentic looking bird poos on the window frames which I thought was a nice touch I don't know if Carl would have done a bird poo. <laughs> keeping it real. Chanel keeping it real. <laughs> or maybe some birds actually just got in and pooed on the set. Do you think? And they were just like, oh, who really lives in there? 
from the accent again on the French it's getting better and better I'd like to apologise to any French listeners yeah sorry (laughs) she also does a mean Australian accent if you were wondering yes well I'll leave that for we'll have to wait for Sydney fashion week (laughs) it was a little bit Mary Poppins Kaya Gerber in particular wearing a hat with like a red big red flower on it there was the Mary Poppins film wasn't there this Um, year yeah so maybe Virginie has been watching that Maybe she has. But we Mm. also had a bit of a talking point when a French YouTuber called Marie Benoulil, there's my French accent, you're so welcome. Très bien. Jumped on the catwalk. So basically she sprinted down. So we're all on tiered seating, like a football game, looking at the roofs. And she runs down these kind of metal steps really loudly because she was in like a proper wedge like a skyscraper wedge and then she just scrambled onto the catwalk when they were doing the finale walk and slotted herself in and then walked along amongst the models and what was quite funny because she was wearing a bootle like a black and white bootle skirt suit and it didn't look like real chanel it sort of looked like chanelish but i think to your to your eye Yes, you know, but the yeah. security guards did not share the fashion eye. Yeah. So once she was on the catwalk, they which couldn't tell the imposter. They couldn't tell which one she was. Excellent camouflage. Yeah, she just blended right in, and then she had a bit of a to do with um, Gigi Hadid yeah. on a rooftop. Gigi I love that. She became the bouncer, yeah. didn't she? Yeah. She Gigi booted her off, showing her true metal. Yeah. Loved that. Well, I think it must have been a bit frightening, actually, for them, because there's this woman running on and they didn't know if she was protesting something. You know, she might have been protesting Chanel's use of a certain factory or a certain material, or she might have been protesting fashion in general. Like, she could have just been someone who wanted to attack a model. You mm-hmm. don't know. So I think they were probably a bit frightened. But Gigi... She styles it out. Yeah. She's the woman to have at your back in a fight. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, brands are really not happy when this sort of thing happens because it ruins the you know neatly perfectly planned spectacle that they've spent millions and millions of euros creating but you know I think it it's it's I don't know I'd almost compare it to that thing of being copied it's like if your show is worthy of being stormed oh that's great you know, it was quite fun as well. It really shook things yeah. up a bit. Yeah, exactly. Also, she was wearing essentially fancy dress Chanel. And what's what's more of a tribute than, than, than that? I actually think Coco would have kind of admired her. I just wondered how she got in. Mm. Because you have to show photo ID and everything to get into Chanel. But if you're, I'm sure if you're a, a YouTuber or a blogger with like a few hundred thousand followers, probably you can get a standing yeah, but, ticket to Chanel. But apparently she did the same thing at the like ETAM show oh, earlier God. in the week. Oh, okay. So not she wear for that. So <laughs> Maybe her Chanelish was actually from ETAM. Oh no. I'm still astounded that ETAM exists, may I just say. <laughs> um, having watched the video many times on the internet now, um, one of my favourite bits though is when Gigi approaches her and, and then she kind of looks as if like they might take a selfie together. She's thinking, yes, we could have a photo op here because she thinks that she's coming to her for a photo. And then Gigi just literally turns her around and marches her out the door. Boom. <laughs> she's having none of it. <laughs> having none of it. Do you have a friend who never pays their share of the bill? Or are your parents wasting your inheritance on flash cars and Caribbean cruises? 
Or maybe you have two children, but you can only afford to send one to a fee-paying school. The common thread? Money. And the moral problems that it so often leaves in its wake. I'm Lauren Davidson. And I'm Sam Meadows. We both report on personal finance for The Telegraph. And each week on our podcast, Moral Money, we're joined by one of our paper's best-loved columnists to unpick the thorny financial issues sent in by listeners. From stretching your work expenses to the ethics of paying less tax, this is the ultimate guide to what's okay and what's not in the blurred world of money morals. It's heated. It's lively. And it might even help you become a better person. Search for Moral Money in your favourite podcast app and click subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. One of the trend takeaways of the week isn't necessarily what you'd expect from a fashion week show because it's so basic. Denim. But it was everywhere. Design, proper designer denim uh, at Givenchy. But one of the main trend takeaways of the week isn't necessarily something you would expect to see on a catwalk because it's such a basic. But we saw it all over, really. Stella McCartney at Givenchy, but mainly at Celine. Bethan, you were there. I was there. I was there to witness. Reporting from the front. The front line of the flare comeback. (laughs) 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 Well, I guess the thing in my review of the Celine show, I kind of used a sporting analogy where I said this was a decider. You know, this was um, Eddie's third show. Not much of a sports fan, Beth, you might need to go in. (laughs) This was Eddie's third show for Celine. His first one had been extremely divisive. Everyone hated how skinny (laughs) and rock chick all the girls looked. And then the second one, everyone was like, oh, wow, he's done this kind of quite fabulous 70s bourgeois ladylike thing. And that was great. So how was he going to shock for this third outing? How was he going to you know, give it that same zhuzh of excitement. Bring back a flared jean. That was his master stroke. So yeah, the first look was denim flares with a sort of Converse-esque trainer, which I'm quite fascinated by as well. So yeah, and I did count them, but now I've forgotten how many there were. Multiple flared jeans. Um, Also denim culottes, A-line skirts, this quite revolting sort of patchwork denim pattern as well, which I simply don't think I'll ever be able to come to terms with. But yeah, a nice sleek flair. I think think that could look quite good. What I find difficult to wrap my head around, I understand spending, not that I ever have, but I understand spending a lot of money on... Dior's hand-embroidered dresses or, you know, a beautiful piece of tailoring that has been cut by an absolute master of cutting who, you know, has honed this silhouette. Jeans. I mean, we saw it a couple of years ago when Demna Grisalia at Vetmont sold these £900 jeans and they became the cult thing. And they were patchworked. And I mean, they weren't just... A pair of jeans, but still, I mean, would you spend £900 on a pair of jeans if you had £900? I wouldn't because I don't have it. However, I can understand slightly a mindset where someone would say, well, actually, I live in my jeans. I wear my jeans all the time, every day. So I want the best possible cut and 
whatever version of these jeans I can get. And and cost per wear, if you do wear them every day, I don't know, maybe you would reach a pound per wear. But this kind of reminds me of a piece I wrote recently about Succession, the TV show about... Still haven't watched it, but actually it was the talk of Fashion Week. It's so... In the car, it was so, all anyone so could good. talk about. It's fabulous. But, you know, this is an uber, uber, super rich family and their clothes are incredibly boring but <laughs> i mean but, say what you but really they're so mean, boring Bethany. that they're great you know because it's great how boring they are but they're expensive boring and the thing is when you're this rich spending 5000 pounds on a coat which you could get a version of for 60 pounds you know that is like us buying a packet of chewing gum like it's just not you know, so us talking about, oh, my God, the 900, the thousand pound gene, to some people, they'll be like, you know, whatever. And that, that that's the market that these clothes are, are going to. That That's the that's the mindset. I mean, perhaps not quite those levels of wealth, but certainly the people who are, you know, the bread and butter customers of a brand like Celine. But at least for the rest of us, normal people... We can wear a flared jean from anywhere we like and we'll feel very fashionable. Do you think this means you can now wear denim everywhere? Because there are still certain restaurants, certain nightclubs where you can't wear a pair of jeans. But surely, you know, if they're the fashion thing and they're designer jeans, does that mean we should be able to wear them everywhere? Uh, I don't think it I don't think it raises the the viability of jeans in in those situations I, I i think jeans still look like jeans even if you know that they're a thousand pound jeans i don't know i must say i was wearing i mean they were corduroy actually they weren't jeans but on saturday night i went to a dinner that i thought was just like a low-key work dinner and i was going after the Hermes show which was at eight o'clock which started at half past eight so actually i got there at like half past nine and I thought jean-ish trousers would be fine because it's Paris Fashion Week. And, you know, Emmanuel Alt wears them on the front row. It's it's very French to be underdressed. No, no. Um, my dinner was, in fact, hosted by Naomi Campbell. I had obviously not read the invitation properly. Thank you for the invitation, Browns. It was very chic. Um, and everyone was very glamorously dressed. And I wasn't. Ouch. Oh. So, actually, I did think in that setting... Even a pair of um, Celine jeans, a bit too cash. I think it's all about the attitude because, you know, there's a world in which Naomi Campbell could have gone to that dinner in a pair of jeans and amazing black jacket. And, you know, she would have just done that and that, looked great. But but that's the thing, Beth, and Naomi can. This is true. Exactly. Naomi would have nailed it. I am not Naomi. <laughs> Be more Naomi. That's the main takeaway. I, I just couldn't. I don't know where she gets the stamina from. Actually, please don't be more Naomi. <laughs> <laughs> she, was, she was honestly just beginning her evening when I left. I left just as they were serving desserts. I took a profiterole ice cream sandwich for the road and I walked home with it. Of course you did. Just, yeah, of course I did, yeah. Uh, well, I can't leave without dessert. Absolutely Can I, Caroline? No. But it was already gone midnight. I wouldn't. You're, you're a girl. I had an early anymore. show in the morning, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Need to keep those energy levels up. Um, Speaking of food, as I so often am, what's everyone's Paris highlight that isn't anything to do with fashion? What, where do you always eat? Where do you always go? What's your moment of Parisian zen? Well, 
opposite the hotel that we stay in, there is a Korean place which has nothing Parisian about it, except that it's like a hot trendy place in Paris, which always has a little queue outside. So last season, Lisa Armstrong, who's our head of fashion, Sasha Slater, who is our head of luxury, um, and myself, we just went and got what was essentially a nice Korean takeaway and and had it in there in secret where there were no other fashion people around. Lovely. Bethan, how about you? Um, Well, mine is going, it's not to do with food. Um, It's going for a run in Chuluri. I try to go as many mornings as I can. Ooh, that's good. And Lordy. Um, I either go for a run ra- through Tulare, go up and down all the little bits, or I go crisscross the bridges on the river and just look at the nice Parisian views and just have a little moment of fresh air. Well, not fresh. I mean, it's car-y air. But, um, smog air. Smog air. Mm. And um, yeah, just a little deep breath. Um, how, how long's your run? How, like how much hour? How much ground do you cover in the half an hour? You can do a five k. The bridges. That sounds quite. Yeah, involved. I can do a five k. Where our hotel is, it takes about three minutes to get to Tulare, and then you're really just across the road from the river there, yeah. aren't you? So we stay in the eighth in an area that I have dubbed Japantown. Yeah, um, because it is packed full of great Japanese restaurants. It is mm-hmm. no shortage of noodles. Well, mine is normally food related, obviously, and I try to always go when I'm in Paris to Brasserie Lip and eat roast chicken with mashed potato. Yum. But I didn't make it there this season. Oh, no. I know. Devastated, guys. However, I did make my biannual pilgrimage to City Farmer. (gasps) Do tell. This is a three-storey pharmacy in the Marais. In the Marais. Le Marais. And... I mean, it's phenomenal. It's got every French beauty brand. So all your La Roche-Posay, Avene, but then like tons of stuff you've never heard of. And everything is super cheap. They sell things in bulk. It's the best prices, you, you, you know, much better than what you'd get on Amazon or anywhere. And all these French women are just bustling around with baskets. You have to have your handbag checked before you go in. It's so good. I mean, there's like 15 caches all in a line and it's a well-oiled machine. But I just, I was in there for a good 45 minutes. I top, think. What was your top buy? I have this moisturiser that I tr- tried after I found it there. It's called um, Biafine is the brand. And it's probably a tenner for a day cream moisturiser. And it is my favourite moisturiser that I've ever tried. And I have, I've used Sisley, which is, you know, like 200 quid, which is lovely, by the way, and does smell fantastic. But it's slightly out of my budget. I've used all sorts because we do get to try amazing things in our jobs because we also write about beauty sometimes. But this £10 moisturiser, you just can't beat it. So I bought four. And I also bought six chlorine dry shampoos because they are much less drying if you've got coloured hair. Supermarket sweep indeed. But then I I did take two giant plastic pharmacy bags with me to my next show because um, Ah. I had the only window of time that I had was before the APC show, which was in the same area. And I wasn't in the car, I was on foot. So then I just had two giant pharmacy bags which slightly threw off my front row look, if I'm honest. But it was worth it. It was definitely worth it. Well done. I did pick up um, a Roche-Posay face wash, but just in a random pharmacy. Just one? Just just the one. Oh, Bethan. I'm Brexit stockpiling. You never know. (laughs) 
that's all we've got time for. But Bethan, Caroline, thank you for joining me. Thanks. Thanks. Au revoir. We'll be back in two weeks when regular programming resumes. And Emily Cronin will be back. She was supposed to be in the studio today, but she had to dash off to Athens on a little last minute assignment. It's a hard life. We've got tons more Fashion Week coverage online. For a free 30-day trial giving you access to all of our online content, visit telegraph.co.uk forward slash fashion unzipped sub. You can also join the conversation at unzipped at telegraph.co.uk and find us on social media at Charlie Gowans, at Bethan Holt and at Caroline Leeper. Simple. Shout out to Annie in Abu Dhabi. I like the alliteration there very much. For your lovely email. And thanks to the rave reviews, Fashion Cross and Fash. Lots of H's there. Uh, we really appreciate it. So please do go and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you're enjoying the show. But not if you're not. I don't want to hear about it. Joking. Obviously, you can get in touch with any feedback and I will take it like a professional. See you next time. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.